0: going to be a real encouragement to, uh, to us all. Anyway, Mark, can you kick us off by just revealing to us what came in at number 10 and number 9? This is the point where I hope my wizardry on the PowerPoint works, okay? So at number 10, we've got, come now is the time to worship, okay? And at number 9, because we're going to sing them together in a moment, we've got, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Okay, so in a moment, um, we're going to sing those. In fact, can I invite you to stand? Um, Yes, let's do that. I'm going to pray, and then uh, I'll hand over to Andy and the band, and let's uh, begin our service by singing these two songs. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the gift of music. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together this evening. Lord Jesus, bless this service whether the songs we sing are our own personal favourites or not, we ask that you will speak to all of us through the words we sing, through the words we don't sing, through people's stories. We ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would touch our hearts. Help us all to leave this place feeling closer to you. Amen. Andy, thank you. Thank you. Please sit down. Now, that second song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, is a special song to a certain person in our congregation tonight, and that's Sheila. And uh, I'd like you to come forward, Sheila. You can be our first person. Hiya, let me give you that microphone. I've had some wonderful conversations with folk uh, on the telephone during the last couple of weeks, but you know, uh, the sad thing from my point of view is that I actually didn't know what some of these people looked like, I have to confess. Okay. So uh, it's really it's really bad or really interesting this evening because as I call people's name out, okay, uh, I'm going to now know, oh, that's who I'm talking to. So uh, okay, it is it is a, a bad thing. It's because I'm normally sat this is my excuse with my back to the congregation anyway. Uh, right, Sheila, we had a great chat uh, on the phone. And um, when you were a little girl, you used to go to church, is that right? You used to be sort of sent off. It was oh Sunday school, wasn't it? Okay, just... Oh, hold sorry, that. Sunday school. Okay, Sunday school, okay. Now, at that particular time, were your parents Christians?
1: Well, no. My mum always taught me to pray, uh, but she never went to church. Okay. No one did in the house, really.
0: Okay. But
1: they had these uh, sunshine boys and girls that I went to, which gave mum a bit of a break. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay so it's at that time it was really a case of right off you go to church and um, and then uh, I need to fast forward um, quite a few years because of time this evening so eventually you you met your husband yeah and um, and he wasn't a Christian is, is that right so so in fact you didn't still go to church is that right you, you had no connection really you certainly wouldn't say you were a Christian at that point
1: no but I always believed in God
0: okay I wasn't a practicing Christian, so Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. Fast forward another 35, 40 years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the year... The year is uh, 1999. Now, at, by this point, your son, okay, you'd had a son. Um, I think you had a daughter as well, isn't that yeah. right? Okay, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Okay, um, your son by this point um, was living in California. Yeah. Okay, tell us what happened in 1999, because that was a special year, wasn't it?
1: I was invited to, to go to his baptism. He decided to be baptized. So I, went, I usually go over to San Francisco every two years to see him. And this was an extra invite. He wanted me there especially. So um, that was when I first went to a church which was evangelical. Uh, my experience of churches was quite high church and um, a little bit boring in my young eyes. Anyway, um, so he invited me uh, to church with him. So I went the first week and he was going to be baptized the second week I was there. And uh, that's when I first heard Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, along with lots of other songs which I didn't know existed, songs of praise that were different entirely to the ones that I always sang. And my son was leading the worship. He was playing guitar and singing, and uh, it was wonderful. And then he got baptised, and I have a lasting image of him coming out of that water uh, because there was like a pool in the church with this white robe on. Yeah. and his swimming trunks underneath that's how they did it there and yeah. and it was a lasting image and then i didn't see him for another 2 years and then i was booked to go and see him on the 11th of september no the 13th of september and then the 11th of september happened mm-hmm. which threw everything awry and my flight was cancelled and then they gave me they offered me another flight on the 18th of september At that point I was living in Sutton Road opposite St. Martin's Church and I'd been wanting to go for a long time and hadn't made it because I was too busy. There was always an excuse but I definitely went that that Sunday after this happening because I wanted to pray for all the people who were killed and also for what was I going to do? Was I still going to go or was I going to stay home? Was it safe to travel to America? And all the time I was in this service I could see this image of my boy coming out of the water and at the end of the service I knew I had to go so I went on this journey uh, a bit surreal because there was hardly anybody on the planes Um, and then I spent 12 days with them in which I remember my son and I on the beach, him with his guitar teaching me to sing so I could join in the praise up front with him which was lovely Mm and then He had to check that the flights were still okay. And when he did check, my flight had been moved forward to the Sunday, but it was on the evening, so I was still able to go to the church. So I went to the church, and I was quite emotional because of what had gone on. And also, I so wanted to be part of a church like this and didn't feel that I could, really, because I didn't think I was good enough, really, to be honest. We've all got things we've done that we're not happy about, and, you know, that was me. And I'm crying a bit and, you know, my, my daughter-in-law, who was also singing, came to me and asked me why I was singing. And I think if I'd have said, because I'm leaving and I'm not going to see my son anymore, she wouldn't have said anything. But I said, because I so want to be a part of something like this. She said, you can be baptized, you know. And the vicar, had actually the pastor, had already said, if anyone wants to be baptised, it was all, you know, it was a done deal, I think. If anyone wants to be, if anybody wants to be baptised, we've got the pool here, we're, you know, would you like to be, so so you did i said yes and i went and she bought she'd gone back to the house and bought a swimming costume for me and i put this big robe on <laughs> and the pastor came out jim and i said i don't know whether i'm doing the right thing this i've just decided to do this it's on the you know spur of the moment and he said no you were meant to come here this was meant for you today so i was baptized and then i had to go home a bit later on the plane and I didn't have any rest on that plane. I was so excited. You did. You
0: told me that. You wanted to dance down the aisle or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then then when I
1: got back, I I wanted to get a sort of happy, clappy church. But Peter Hart was the vicar, the minister who was at at St. Martin's Church. And it was only over the road, which was very handy. And I asked Peter to come and talk to me. And I was convinced after talking to him that that was the place that I needed to go to.
0: So after all those so, years yep. that we fast-forwarded yep. of, uh, of not being involved with the church, mm. you, uh, you then gave your, your life to Jesus yeah, in 2001, yeah. wasn't it? It took yeah. a bit of
1: time to get, take my life, give my life to Jesus, really. Yeah. It wasn't just an overnight thing. It no. was, I'm still doing it,
0: really. Okay, fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's give a round of applause for being the first one. Thank you. Right, Mark... What's at number eight? (laughs) We should have a drum roll, shouldn't we? Okay, number eight. Ah, yes, be still. Now, this was a a special song for for Rachel and I because we had this at our wedding. And in fact, many of the forms that I had back had had got that on the form. Yes, we had this particular song at our wedding. Um, What makes this special for me? Well, if we could just have the words on Mark, there are a couple of lines. Verse 2. Uh, please where is it okay yes be still for the glory of the Lord is shining all around Um, many of you will know that I come from Morecambe which is not that far from the Lake District and uh, when I was young growing up uh, many weekends we'd be hill walking and I remember my dad often we'd get to the top of a a mountain and he'd say Mark okay look at the view isn't God wonderful and I must I admit that at the time I thought he was a bit of a fuddy-duddy, okay? But I have to say, and Ben and Daniel will laugh at this point, that I've started to do it now. And for me, okay, it's as I've got older, I have to say that I've grown, if you like, um, in my appreciation of God just being in the everyday things, in in nature in a wonderful sunset yesterday we were cycling in sherwood forest and again it was a lovely day and there was just a few moments on our bike ride when i i just offered a praise to god and so many people i hear say where is god in the world now there's so much war there's so much hurt there's so much bad and yes there is sadly but for me, um, I think you don't have to look very far, really, to see God. Um, but that's that's just uh, why I like that particular one. And then, verse 3, there's another line in here that I love. Um, where is it? Okay. It's not that one. That's the word. No work too hard for him, in faith receive him. Life is tough at times, uh, and certainly life is tough for me at times. And there's been loads of times when I I offer a prayer and say, God, please help me. And And he does. And uh, I just am reminded of that uh, fact in that, in that particular verse. It's why also um, one of my favourite Bible passages is Philippians 4, verse 6, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, uh, but in everything present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm just reminded of that through this particular song. Let's stand and sing, be still for the presence of the Lord. Thank you. Please sit down. Back to our songs. Um, number seven. Okay, you've seen it already. No. The Only One by Graham Kendrick. And this is a special song for Dave, who nearly got cut out. But uh, Dave, do you want to come forward and just share with us, please? Why is it that you like this hymn
2: This has always been a hard one for me to sing, All um, will be revealed. I like Graham Kendrick. <laughs> I looked today, and he's written 435 Christian songs. Can you believe that? Um, he was born in 1960, so he was a touch older than me. In 1950, he was a touch older than me. Um, Shine Jesus Shine was a Graham Kendrick, sorry. He's probably best remembered for the street music, you know, "Make Way, Make Way." He took music out into the uh, towns, into. Anyway, I think he's for me. He's one of the, the the Christian songwriters that sort of. He has this knack of fitting words to music well. He also has this knack of describing the humanity and the deity of Jews in such a way that I think is quite quite amazing. Um, What do I mean by that? Songs like Meekness and Majesty, um, Manhood and Deity, um, The Man Who is God, Dwells in Humanity, Kneels in Humility. But that's not even this song that I've uh, chosen as one of my favourites. My favourite one, I think, has to be the servant king. It's always one I struggle to sing because when you get to the line, just get the handkerchief out here, ready. <laughs> when you get to the line, I think it's about in the third verse or the second verse. The hands that flung stars. into space to cruel nails surrendered. I think that's... It is just an amazing line, isn't it, really, to think that... A previous church, when we had a more open congregation... People used to pick this, and they'd come up and say to me after, I'm sorry I picked that, because I don't make you cry. <laughs> but when we sing it, just think of, you know, what it cost. So it's a favourite, even though I can't
3: sing it. <laughs>
0: Dave, there'll be many people here tonight who would admit that we cry when we sing certain songs. I know I do, okay. Anyway, shall we stand and let's sing? And uh, if Dave can get through, brilliant. (laughs) Just have the tissues ready on that row, okay. Please sit down. It is a great line, Dave. You're right, that. Yeah, really. Well, no prizes for knowing what's at number six. (laughs) Okay, at number six, we've got a hymn by the English poet... John Newton, Amazing Grace, which it's probably fair to say is one of the most uh, well-known hymns in the world. People sing it all over the world, don't they? John Newton was born in 1725. He was a troubled young man with a violent temper and certainly no interest in religion. He got involved in the Atlantic slave trade. Probably uh, many of you will know, but in a life-threatening storm, he describes how he called out to God for mercy. A moment that marked his amazing spiritual conversion. He was later ordained in the Church of England where he wrote many hymns. Amazing Grace was actually written to illustrate a sermon on New Year's Day in 1773. It didn't have a tune at this point, it was just a set of of words. In fact, the lyrics have had many different tunes, you perhaps didn't know that, but the one we now sing today was added in 1885 by an American Baptist called William Walker. Now, Newton's life-changing story is a great prodigal son illustration, isn't it? A story of miraculous forgiveness and change. Uh, But it's become a special song for another lady in our uh, congregation this evening, and that's Carol. So where are you, Carol? Come out and share why this song is special to you. Thank you.
4: Apologies to those who have heard this story before, but I love telling it. Uh, The last time I actually spoke on grace somewhere, I had eight points and spoke for 25 minutes. Uh, But I've promised Mark I'll be no more than four. Um, I never fully understood grace. i had been a Christian many, many years. I knew it was God's riches at Christ's expense. But what did that mean to me on a day-to-day basis? I read several books on grace. And then I read a book called The Grace Awakening. And it awoke grace in me. It awoke grace in me. It actually set me free. Um, this book, for me, told me that God is up close and personal. God saved me as an individual. We are saved into the family of God, but he saved me as an individual. He called me by name. He filled me with his spirit, and he wrote my name in his book of life. And... I was free from the demands of others who said things like, to be a good Christian woman, you do this, you do that, you do the other. To be a good Christian woman, you don't do this, you don't do that. No, I was set free from all of that. I was to be a clone of nobody. And if I can say this reverently, I was to be a clone of Jesus Christ. And I was to follow what he told me in his word. It set me free. And that's why I love the addition that Chris Tomlin's put to Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Well, this grace awakening began within me. And uh, a couple of years after that, my husband Steve lost his job. So we were an income down. I had given up work through ill health. I'd had breast cancer for the second time. And I'd retired early from teaching. So our, uh, our income went down 70%. We couldn't live on what we had. But God had so planned it in his grace that I had a lump sum, and we lived on that lump sum. God, in his grace, gave me friends who encouraged me and Steve, who took us out for meals, who provided meals for us, who prayed with us. At one time, our freezer broke, and our house group gave us the money to buy a freezer. And Steve got a job. Then he lost a job. Then he got a job. In fact, he had seven jobs in seven years. Can you imagine what that does to a man's confidence? And he had a breakdown. And he was on pills for depression and anxiety. God, in his grace, 25 years ago, I'd had a depressive illness for two and a half years. And I sat with the pills thinking, should I take my life? God, in his grace, stopped me. And he gave me an understanding of what my husband was going through. And I could help him to the best of my ability. The year before he uh, had his breakdown, we had a dog. And this little dog, when I wasn't in the house, was his companion. And when he began to get better, he took this little dog for walks. God, in his grace, had given us a dog. And the other thing was, God reminded me, that We are in a spiritual warfare. We forget that sometimes. And even though I was going through a dark valley, the mountaintops are wonderful, the soil is in the valleys, even though I was going through a valley, he said to me, do not give up going to church. Do not give up going to church. Because I knew if I stopped going to church, I would be split from my fellow believers And then the devil would have me, and eventually he'd take me away from God. And although it was difficult going to church, I was always found something that would encourage me. And God gave me, in those seven years, a song in the night. And that song was, faithful one, so unchanging. You are my rock in time of trouble. And if any of you are going through a hard time at the moment, ask God to give you a song in the night. And I hung on to that. You my, are my rock in time of trouble. You are sovereign. You know what you're doing. You're working things out for our good. I don't understand your hand at the moment, but I do understand your heart. And then Steve eventually got a permanent job with the company that had made him redundant seven years before, which proves to me God has a sense of humor. And I had a big birthday dawning. I thought, what can I do for this big birthday? And I felt God put it in my head. And I prayed about it. And that was the January. Big birthday November. Big birthday on a Sunday. Big party at church. And on that day, I changed my name by deed poll to Carol Grace Gosling. As a testimony to how God had taken this great doctrine, which was like a cloud above me, and burst it into thousands of little raindrops of grace. And they all fell on me. And so I go to the bank. I've changed my name to Carol Grace Gosling. Ooh, why did you do that? Well, and I was able to tell them. Went to the building society. I've changed my name to Carol Grace Gosling. Is it a family name? Well, actually, it is. It is. And only two weeks ago, I was witnessing to somebody about that. And in that church service, very attentively and very nervously, I sang a solo. And I sang, uh, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. So this is my definition of grace. And I believe God gave it to me. Grace is an umbrella term for all the vastness of the goodness of God. Now, that includes all the things that we think of, mercy, love, grace, all that. It also includes his providence, his uh, justice, his um, discipline. But grace for me is an umbrella term for all the vastness of the goodness of God. And when I spoke with those eight points The last one was um, super abundant grace, because God's grace is abundant. It's plentiful. It's overflowing. And for me, it's truly amazing.
0: Thank you. I don't think I need to say any more. Let's stand and sing. Amazing grace. Thank you, please sit down. I really must stop singing so loudly, I'm getting quite hoarse. <laughs> I'm nearly losing my voice. Anyway, at number five, another great hymn. We've had some good ones tonight, haven't we? Okay, how great they are! The, the tune is a traditional melody from Sweden. Uh, the lyrics a poem written by Gustav Boberg in, in 1885. Bo, Boberg was a carpenter's son who uh, worked briefly as a sailor and then served as a, a lay minister in Sweden. In a survey by Today's Christian magazine in 2001 entitled The Favourite Hymns of All Time, this came second to, guess what, not shine, Jesus shine, no. <laughs> amazing grace, amazing grace. Now, uh, Sarah Swain, this is a, a special song for her, but sadly, I've just had uh, word that um, she's, uh, she's not very well, so uh, unfortunately, she's not able to share with us this evening. But, Mitch, okay, this is a, a special song for you, I believe. Come and share why that is. Thanks.
5: Hi. Right. I've um, got a few notes written down, because if you were at our wedding or Eva's baptism a few months ago, you know I uh, can be a bit of a weeper in these situations. So we'll see how we go. Um, so this song became significant for, uh, for myself and for my wife, Emily, about 12 months ago when our daughter Eva was born. Um, in the delivery room, uh, minutes after um, she was born, the medical staff were looking after uh, Emily and the midwife handed Eva to me. And at that moment, it was as if the whole world and the whole universe shrank down and just focused down in that, in that one room. And at that moment, the wonder of God's creation was more apparent than I've ever experienced before or since. Um, and those words, how great thou art, just instantly entered my head. I remember looking up in the room as if looking to the heavens and just saying over and over again, how great thou art. Um, and then when she was about 10 minutes old, I walked around the room and, and I sang the song to her, as, as many of the lyrics as, as I could remember. And that went on, really, for the rest of the night, from about 2am in the morning until about 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, and I suppose it was a real embodiment of that moment, of God's power and God's creation. Um, and I've written here, the creative power of God, the God who made the stars and the mighty thunder, was embodied in, in the birth of that, that tiny baby at that moment. And I suppose I've never really thought of this before until I was standing here now. It's, that's a real metaphor as well, isn't it, for how, how, how God the Father was, was, was in, embodied in, in, in Jesus when, when, um, when he was born as a tiny baby on earth. And so this song reminds you of the reality of God's awesome power. And whenever I and my wife here, we were always instantly transported back to that moment just over 12 months ago.
0: Thanks, Mitch. Mark, if I could just ask you to to pop the words on the screen. Um, We've been doing a lot of up, down, up, down, haven't we? Standing up and sitting down um, and... We've got some time. I just thought, just for a moment, um, if I could just get Mark to leave those words on. And M- Andy, could you perhaps just play the introduction to this song and just for a moment, rather than just launching straight into this song, just ask that we just perhaps just ponder those words because, again, there's some fantastic lines. And uh, if, Mark, you can just go on to the next screen in a, in a moment and just ask you just to think about about the lyrics so often we just stand up and we sing particularly songs like this where the tunes are very well known and we miss perhaps we skip over the words so just an opportunity just to uh, marvel really at some of these fantastic lyrics Just as we remain standing, can I just invite you to, to just shout out words of praise if you really believe that in your heart that God is great, just like Mitch said in that moment of Eva's birth. Lord, how great you are! Okay, and Lord, I certainly believe that. Lord, you are an amazing God. So if you if you know that and you feel that, just uh, just call out, Lord. You're great because How great you are. Amen. Please be seated. How's your voice doing (laughs) it? Horse like me. Right, at number four. Another great hymn, "Praise the Soul, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven," written by an Anglican, Henry Francis Light, who, who also wrote uh, the hymn "Abide with Me." "Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven" it was sung at the royal wedding of uh, Her Royal Highness the Prince Elizabeth, Princess Elizabeth and Prince Philip in 1947, and the hymn is based on Psalm 103. Now it's a special song for two people here this evening, uh, both head teachers actually, Jill Caldwell and Tim Swain. Uh, will you come out, please, the pair of you, Jill and Tim? Now we all know, don't we, just how much Tim can talk? Okay. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> don't,
3: don't say
0: it. I've now met someone who I think can even give Tim a run for his money when it comes to talking. <laughs> OK, Jill, we've had some... In fact, I'll let Jill go first. There you go, Jill. Now, I'd never met you before, OK? And in fact, until you appeared this evening, um, I didn't even know what you looked like. OK, but we've had a great chat, although you are a, t- a difficult person to find in. You, um, you're, you're a very lively and active person, aren't you? OK, what's your passion at the moment? Where were you all those times? I must have rung you about ten times. Where were you? on? All-
6: well, I come from Stafford, And I've come to live in Aldridge, ready for my old age. I decided it was a wonderful place to come to. It had got a church with a history, and I needed that. It had got every facility for someone in their dotage, and I needed that. It had got bus services and everything I wished for. So I sold my bungalow actually in the catchment area to where all the children had been to my school for 15 years 250 each year and where I'd reaped a wonderful harvest because the children now grown up with their families would run after me and say do you still eat fish every day do you still eat fruit do you still go running every day and this is
0: how I ran my school Going to interrupt you, because you didn't answer my question, which no, was where I'm, were I'm you? Telling you? Where were you? i okay. telling you. On all those occasions, okay, dance, dancing,
6: dancing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she was out dancing. Well, but she mentioned th- something. And I'm, the, I'm, th- the, th- the thing,
6: the oh. thing is, my main passion is dancing, and I have a dance partner who got married in this church. And at the moment, he's in hospital, can't walk. So anybody to take his place when he can't get back to... (laughs) I dance two hours a night, five nights a week with sequence
0: dancing. And she mentioned just a moment ago running. Now, I can tell you a little secret about this lady. Because she has run the London Marathon, but not just once. In fact, not just five times. In fact, not just ten times. Go on, tell us how many times you've run the London Marathon. Well, 20. (laughs) (laughs) I think that deserves a round of applause, don't you? 20 times. Incredible. Anyway, back to the story. Well, actually,
6: listening to all the what has come through, I do have to say what I want to say. Because I came to this church and had a shock. It was crammed with youngsters with teenagers, the church in Stafford on the hill, about eight in the congregation, and singing from hymns ancient and modern, and singing hymns that were written centuries ago. I'm inbred with that uh, from a small child through church. Through my, I can hear my gran, granny singing these hymns. My granddad rang the bell. My granny cleaned the church. We've been into the church right through my life and I had a shock because I didn't know how to sing all these songs and it quite went against me and I went around all the other churches around to find if I could find where I could slot into my comfort zone and I've come back here.
0: Great. And I'll
6: tell you why because I've got to say it. I know I'm going to overtake a little bit of time.
0: (laughs) I told you, didn't I? Yes, well, Andru- <laughs> Andrew
6: provided me with this book in my hand, which is hymns, ancient and modern. Because I know them all off by heart, and I wanted I wanted it to sing in, in my home. And Andrew came and put it through my letterbox, and I wasn't able to thank him and didn't know what he looked like.
0: Now, praise my soul.
6: Praise okay. my soul, I'm you back heaven. to praise my soul. Praise is, my soul wasn't
0: the, your number one. It what was wasn't,
6: your number one? No, let me tell you. I've had to look at it, and it's the rousing, soaring music that we can praise with. I love it. It isn't the words. The words for me was the hymn when I went to teacher training as an 18-year-old. I met my husband, who'd been in the raft because they did, um, what was it called? National service. And we used to go, which sounds laughable now, to an assembly before each college day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we all, well, we didn't all go. Those who wished to go went. And my husband and I went. He wasn't my husband then. He was a very quiet, shy little person. I actually had to become the rock in his way and keep getting in his way till he fell over me and discovered he'd found somebody he liked. Um, and I've had this rock business all evening, so I've been thinking about it. Um, and for our wedding hymn we had father hear the prayer we offer we're not going to sing it tonight but but, you've got to hear the words otherwise you won't understand not for ease that prayer shall be but for strength that we may ever live our lives courageously and if we're wimpish and expect soft treatment we won't it won't work Not forever in green pastures do we ask our way to be, but the steep and rugged pathway may we tread rejoicingly. Not forever by still waters, even if they are in the Lake District, which I love, my husband came from there, would we idly rest and stay, but would smite the living fountains and the rocks along our way. And I climbed every mountain in the Lake District with my husband. He was the one who empowered me to do what I did with my life. I got him to dance. Be our strength in hours of weakness. In our wanderings be our guide. Through endeavor, failure, danger. Father, be thou at our side. Now that's the hymn that's carried me through life. And I and my husband were together for 48 years. And then he died. And at his funeral, he had this hymn. And at my funeral, I shall have it. And this is what holds me through. And before he died, he said, there's something wrong with me. I'd love you to tell me what happens after the post-mortem. And he bought me on my finger here some diamonds. And he said, whenever you look at them, you'll know just how much I loved you. And I've put it on tonight. Normally it's in a box. So going from my hymn to the hymn... Praise my soul, the king of heaven. That is how you rejoice when you've lived your strong life, when you've fought through, when you've run your marathons, when you've found what it's like to be dead on your feet and you keep going. And Ron, my husband, did 200. I didn't think I'd done many. I did 55 marathons, 17 potteries and all the others around and no end of half marathons. And I still run I'm 78 and a half and I go for my run and if you see me trip over a rock up the road and if that's the end of my life then I'm on my pathway to heaven yeah. and it's the I've found the what when you fall over a rock you'll find it's probably the stepping stone to somewhere good so that's where I hope to go brilliant. Thank and thank I'll you. find him there
0: thank you very much that's brilliant thank you Right. Sorry, I just say that. <laughs> Jim's got 12 seconds now to. <laughs> okay, no, you. Sorry. That's fine.
7: Well, I've got one thing in common with Jill um, that I told Mark I didn't want to talk about praise my soul either. No. But um, <laughs> I suppose very quickly, one thing that we're doing tonight is um, what Paul tells us to do in Colossians when he says, "Let the word of God dwell in your hearts richly, as you teach." and admonish each other in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And I think one of the reasons why I do like Praise My Soul is that it just allows that word of God to sit richly in your heart. Because it is just basically Psalm 103. And when you sing it, it actually points the finger at you saying, come on, just remember what salvation is like. Just remember Uh, all those benefits that you have that are in Psalm 103. And so it's a great way to remember. But I didn't want to talk about that. The hymn I wanted to talk about is, um, my one, is In Heavenly Love Abiding. It's a really long way from being one of my favorite hymns. It's right down the list. But it's one of those hymns that has really spoken to me recently. And I wanted to talk very briefly about it. The idea of abiding started off on a cycle ride with a friend. And we were talking about abiding, staying, permanence, and then I bought a book on abiding and it opened up my, my mind to all sorts of things. But I think those first four lines are really terrific. Here they are. In heavenly love abiding, no change my heart will fear. And safe is such confiding because nothing changes here. If you're in the love of God, nothing changes. And I think all of us in some way or other, are sometimes fearful of change. And we don't need to be because we can just put that wall that she constructs, the hymn writer constructs, around us. If we stay in the love of God, we don't need to fear change because there isn't any change in the love of God. I said I'd say three things about In heaven. Love. That's number one. Number two is who it's by. Number two is who it's by. She's a woman called Anna Letitia Waring. And she was a Victorian woman. And you think, what a load of sop. This is the natural thing to think, isn't it? It's just the name makes you think. She was the daughter of somebody called Elijah and Deborah Waring. What chance did she have, really? But when you look into what she did, one thing she did that really impressed me is she learnt Hebrew so that she could get to understand the Bible better. Just did it off her own bat, And that must have been hard for a woman in the day she lived and the second thing is she spent a lot of her life visiting prisons and really getting alongside some of the the most um rejected and abandoned members of society and she said it's like finding diamonds in the sewage i thought wow and that was a really interesting insight into the second verse where she says Wherever he may guide me, no want will turn me back. My saviour is beside me and, and nothing will I lack. And she must have felt that very really and, and definitely when she was visiting some of the terrible prisons. And the third thing is that him makes us think about the future. Here's the third verse. Green pastures are before me, which yet I haven't seen. Bright skies will soon be over me where the dark clouds have been. My hope I cannot measure. My path to life is free. My saviour has my treasure and he will walk with me. And that meant a huge amount to me when my parents were both ill. Mum for a very, very long time, for 20 years. And dad for a short time but very intensely. And I th- often think of them with this hymn and think, wow, they're, f- they're now in those green pastures. They've got those bright skies over them. And they were able to live through all that terrible, terrible pain from mum's case for 20 years. And they were focused on the future. I'm not thinking actually about uh, pie in the sky when we die. But I'm thinking about the good plans that God has for us even now. This morning, we were reading in 1 Samuel 3. And um, in in that chapter, it it says this. um, I have great plans for Israel, which will make the ears of those who hear them tingle. And I've crossed out Israel and put Warsaw in the margin. I've got great plans for Warsaw, which will make the ears of those who hear them tingle. And I thought, well... We need to be more future orientated, don't we? That we need to be confident that the best is yet to be. And that if we remain in the love of God, we don't need to worry about the change that's coming because those plans are the best we can be. So I don't like the fact that we're singing just the ones that get the most votes. What has democracy done for us? It gets us (laughs) Brexit. Come on! But um, anyway, that's why I wanted to talk about in heavenly love abiding.
0: Thank you, Sibo. Let's stand and sing. Let's stand and sing. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Please be seated. Right, at number three. Another golden oldie. "Greatest thy faithfulness. Written by the American uh, Thomas Chisholm, who was born in 1866 and died in 1960. And I'd now like to invite Rachel Butterfield and Joe Lloyd out to tell us why this particular song is special to them. And we'll have Joe first. Okay, so if I pass you that, Joe okay I'm leaving I you just to go say for something. it
3: <laughs>
8: <laughs> right. this is um my favorite hymn um and um it comes from lamentations three but, verse twenty two to twenty four and it 's because of the lord 's great love, we are not consumed for, we, for his passion, his compassion never fail. they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness and really this this um, verse is sort of um, or this hymn rather has been sort of one of the most important um, reminders of god 's love. Um, and his faithfulness to me and for my husband as well. Um, right. Um, shortly after I married, um, my husband was, um, diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, which is a neurological disease. And, um, it's a bit like the telephone exchange, um, in your brain, um, all the elements are there, but unless they are... This is the old-fashioned telephone exchange, not a new one. Unless they are plugged in, those um, um, sort of messages don't get through to your limbs. And that's what happened to my husband. So sometimes he could walk and other times he couldn't. Um, and um, when he was diagnosed, um, my, our daughter was um, about two, and I was um, desperate for another child... And we decided that he wasn't going to take any medication, and so um, we had my daughter Bethan, our daughter Bethan. Um, the beginning of our marriage, when we discovered about it, we were very, very positive, and we thought God will heal. And, um, you know, we were going to a charismatic church, and we thought um, God will sort it out, and, you know, we've got things to do, etc., And the word that had come to us was that God would provide, and that's also in this hymn about his provision. I was a carer, um, and as the disease developed, I became more um, caring for him, and it almost felt as if I was less of a wife and more of a carer. Um, It became harder and harder, and the medication that they put him on gave him hallucinations and paranoia, um i mean at one point we had the russian inventory in my lounge i don't know quite how it got there but my husband was convinced that the russian inventory was there um also a load of cushions were um a crowd of people um he he thought that they were there and i had to go in and say no it's it's okay the russian inventory aren't here at the moment um but it was very very frightening for him and for me and for our children um his mobility became worse and worse um, and it became, as I say, more hard to, to look after, I've also had a son and to look after my daughters and my son and look after my husband as well. Um, he was became paranoid and um, he thought I was being unfaithful and I was having an affair and that was really quite very, very hard. Um, but the reason that these words are so important is great is thy faithfulness um morning by morning new mercies I see and one of the the most important lines that for my husband and I were strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow and I don't mean sort of oh I hope everything will be okay tomorrow it says in these words bright hope so encouraging hope um and I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, hence the stick. Um, and all the way through, the Lord has provided. And my faith, although has been really tested, um, I've come through. And, um, my husband died nine years ago. Um, but the Lord has carried on providing and he's carried, carried on being compassionate to me. And I just thank Mark for arranging this because I was really thinking, Joe, you're so weak at the moment. Um, And then I look back at this and see where he's brought me, where he's brought me through. Um, And I've realized, actually, I'm not as weak as I thought I was because God has strengthened me. Um, So just one of the sadnesses out of all this is my children have seen my husband deteriorating, getting dementia, having hallucinations, and they saw that and... Unfortunately, um, they lost their faith along the way. And um, really, just for encouraging for anybody else who's struggling with caring for somebody or struggling in the situation, I believe that God is compassionate um, and there is strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And it's bright hope. And I'm hoping that the Lord in his compassion will bring my children back to him.
0: It's just amazing um, to hear your struggles, and I said this to you on the phone, Um, I think for most of us, just to go through just a little bit of of the struggles that you've been through, um, to see your loved ones deteriorating in front of your eyes, to become their carer for so long would be for me I know a real test of my faith and I asked uh, her and you've you sort of shared that with us this evening because I I said to you how did you manage to to maintain your faith uh, through those difficult times and I think she's answered that but amazing story so thank you for that Rachel thanks
9: I think that must be a really uh, great phrase, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow because that's what I'm going to talk about as well. And also I apologize, Tim and I didn't know that we were both going to be speaking. Tim's my brother and so I will be sharing a little bit more um the things. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> um, a little bit more about what he was saying. So my story starts when I was um about coming up to my 18th birthday because three days after i finished my a levels i was admitted to the queen elizabeth hospital to have a major heart operation and the night before i went uh, for the operation my family came to visit me and my mum gave me this phrase strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow and uh, I suppose I, I really had to, in a sense, face my mortality, that things might not go very well and, and so on. But they did, as you can see, here I am. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that has been a phrase that in our wider family, has been mentioned from time to time. And my, my dear mum, who passed away in February, um, in the last weeks of her illness, uh, when she was struggling and I was struggling looking after her, Sometimes as I was preparing to go home, she would remind me of this phrase, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, H. And she'd say, do you remember how God helped you through it? And so on. And uh, she, of course, had the bright hope for tomorrow. Her hope was the hope of heaven, and she knew where she was going. Um, when I chose my three songs... Uh, this this song was written about 100 years ago, I think. But one of my other three was one that was only written a couple of years ago. And uh, that phrase, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, and one I'm going to tell you about from the modern hymn, have been My Songs in the Night. And so the other one is My Lighthouse, which has become um, Cooper and Jordan's unofficial school song, I think. And uh, the last two Year 6 Leavers services, they've chosen that song. So in July 2015, I think Maxine and I were up at the front, and we were doing all the actions, shore to shore, swimming, and doing all the fancy strokes, and having a great, great time, and singing our hearts out. And uh, so were the Year 6 children, and, and it was great. Ten days later, I sang that song again, in the church center and uh, I wasn't jumping around. Tears were streaming down my face because in those 10 days, it felt like my world had fallen apart because my dad had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and we knew that he would only have a few months to live. And so suddenly the words became so important. And I would say that when we sing our songs with real enthusiasm, when these phrases hit you, put them in your memory bank because we need them. We need them when the times hit hard. And I used to sing in the shower in the morning before I went over to look after mum who was bedbound, and dad who was dying. I used to sing, Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. And there's also a phrase in it which says, in my questions, your truth will hold. We all have questions, don't we? Why me? Why now? Why this? At times. And we just have to hold on to the truth that God's great love will see us through. He is the peace in our troubled sea. And the last verse of that song says, I won't fear what tomorrow brings. With each morning, I'll rise and sing. My God's love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. And so in the year six service this year, although I didn't give them that much detail, I did say to them to try and remember that as they start their new school. Um, and they might find a few days hard um, to, to remember this song. And... Uh, I'm sure I was going to say something else. Yes, I know. I don't want it all to be about remembering Rachel who's lost her parents and and the sadness of that. Because I'm having to test that out myself now, and maybe there'll be a time when you do, that uh, whatever our problems and whatever we face, let's uh, hang on to appropriate phrases from these great hymns, and mine will be, Your great love will see me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. So it's not the one from greatest like My faithfulness. We're all doing it, aren't we? We'll you. But
3: <laughs>
0: we'll Thank you. you. Let's stand and sing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Please do be seated. I've suddenly become very much aware of the time, folks. I had intended finishing at 8 o'clock, but you just never know how long some people uh, are going to talk for. So I do, I do apologise for that. If you need to go, because I think the YFers need to leave, some of you about quarter past, don't you? And Pauline and Chris are going to dash out in a moment for their group as well. Thing. So if you need to go, folks, please do feel free to go. We're nearly there. We're at number two. <laughs> and uh, finally a song that's been written within the last 10 years Okay, Matt Redman's 10,000 Reasons uh, also known as Bless the Lord O My Soul written by Matt Redman in 2011 and I know this means a lot to Barbara so where are you Barbara?
10: there you go okay Matt told me to be short and sweet so it's written down and I will read it and I promise to stop The first little bit I didn't actually write. I've I've copied it from somewhere, but it just kind of puts it into perspective. Having anxiety and depression is like being scared and tired at the same time. It's the fear of failure, but no urge to be productive. It's wanting friends, but hating socialising. It's wanting to be alone, but not wanting to be lonely. It's caring about everything, then caring about nothing. It's feeling everything at once, then feeling paralyzingly numb. If I'm honest, I've never really understood what it means to be stressed or really anxious. I thought I did. And although I was happy to be sympathetic and try to support anxious people I met, I didn't really know what to do. When I finally hit this depth of anxiety, not so long ago, I was so grateful to have my amazing family and friends who gave me practical support and prayed for me. I'd always assumed that if I was feeling like this, that God would give me peace and heal me. Things don't always work out as you expect, and God has his own ways to teach us things. I couldn't concentrate to read my Bible, And to take on board what was being said. I couldn't pray with very much sense either. But through all my life I've loved to sing. And this was the song that kept coming back when I was at rock bottom. I couldn't sing it out loud. But it was there, lurking in the background. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. I'll worship your holy name. It doesn't matter how we feel, what our emotions are like, we are called to worship. To be in God's awesome presence and to be prepared to listen and accept from him. And if I've learnt properly from this song, the last verse of the song becomes real too. And on that day when my strength is failing... The end draws near, and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years, and then forevermore. I, we, have so much to be grateful for. But above all, that God is my Father. He is rich in love. He is slow to anger. Bless the Lord.
0: Thank you, please be seated. If there's time and there's not, sadly, um, I wanted to show you just a video clip, um, an interview um, with Matt Redman and his wife, the the composers of that song, because what I didn't realise is that He had a terrible, terrible uh, time when he was a child. Just briefly, um, when he was seven years old, he came home from school one day and his mum told him that his dad had died. And uh, in fact, he'd committed suicide. Uh, His mum remarried and then his uh, new father was very abusive to him. And he he went through a terrible, terrible time. But at the age of 10, um, at a a, a rally, a Christian rally at Queen's Park Rangers football stadium, he actually uh, became a Christian. And and he says how even with all the turbulence in his life, he was glad that he had Jesus. He says how he loved Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. And uh, if you've got time, just uh, in YouTube, just put a search in for Matt uh, Redman. And uh, you'll hopefully come across the video. Um, Right. Yes. Yes. A survey was done in 2013 by the BBC, and this was their top ten. So, how did we compare? Um, We've had Beasts still, haven't we? And uh, another one, yes, but uh, quite different, but there you go. Um, I just thought I'd just show you that, just out of interest. But, moving on, drum roll. Okay, Mr Cook, Josh Cook. Okay, what is our number one? (laughs) Wait for it. Hope you're not disappointed with this one. Okay. It's one of my favourites, Be Thou My Vision. And in fact, the oldest song that we've sung this evening dates all the way back to the 8th century, um, where it was written in Gaelic. It was translated into English in the, uh, the early 1900s. The lyrics are set to the Irish folk tune, Slain. Before we sing this final song, I do apologise we've run over. Thank you again so much for coming. Thank you to all the folk who've uh, been willing to share. It's been so encouraging, hasn't it? Um, We must do it again sometime. Thanks to our wonderful musicians. We're very blessed at APC, aren't we? (laughs) Having so many great... So, can I invite you to stand? Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to raise the roof with our final hymn and uh, a message from rob um, just to say that he's um, been recording this evening um, he will as he normally does uh, put put the recording on the website but if any of you who've spoken would prefer that it doesn't go on just see rob and he's happy not to do that this evening there will be coffee served at the end if you're not dashing off then please do stay but uh, understandable if you do need to go So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for everyone that shared a little of their life story with us. Lord, we've heard how it's never too late to commit our lives to you. We've heard how it doesn't matter how bad we think we are or what we've done in our lives, you still love us. Nothing we've done is so bad that it can't be covered by your forgiveness. We've heard how for a few people you've been the rock through difficult times. Father, I pray that that would be so true for those here this evening facing difficult weeks ahead. May your peace and love surround them and may they experience your spirit guiding them in a new and very tangible way. Father, we've heard this evening how lines of songs taught to us in our childhood can stay with us the rest of our lives, nagging us, helping us, reminding us of your great power and your grace and your love. Encourage us, therefore, to continue to share our faith with our families, our friends, our children and grandchildren, so they, too, may experience you one day. And finally, God, I pray that through the power and work of your Holy Spirit, you would continue to speak through the words of the songs that we sing each week, both the old and the new, as they all point to you. Challenge us, guide us, strengthen us, bless us. We ask all these things in your name. Oh man, let's sing. Let's say let's say the grace to one another. Okay, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all evermore.